We're going to take a break from our study of First and Second Kings today to look at one psalm, Psalm 133. I invite you to turn with me there as we study this psalm together. It is actually in keeping with the application that Pastor Andrew's been making for us the last several weeks as we've looked at the life of Elijah and, and now turned to the life of Elisha. What we find in Psalm 133 is a psalm about unity, unity in the, in the covenant community, in the family. If the Lord is faithful in, in raising up a leader to lead his people, as we've been looking at, even in times of discouragement and suffering, what happens to those people if they don't come together in the context of unity? That's what we find in Psalm 133. Everything that we've been studying about Elijah and Elisha, now here's application of that. We live together in the context of the covenant family of God, and we do so uh, by experiencing and living in what God has already provided and what he promises to provide throughout all of eternity, and that is unity in the body because of the finished work of Christ. So let's give our full attention now to the reading and the preaching of Psalm 133. A song of ascents of David, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that that same spirit is what binds us together uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we think about what it is that you have provided for us, unity in your body, uh, may, uh, may we find that even more true today as you open our eyes to behold wonderful things, beautiful things from this portion of your holy law. Apply it to us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My youngest daughter is a fashion photographer out in Los Angeles, California, and from time to time she'll send us pictures or when we're with her we'll look at pictures that she has taken and we'll comment about how, how beautiful it is, whatever picture she's taken, and she always seems to have the same response, and that is something along the lines of, oh yeah, well it doesn't really look like that because I, I just photoshopped that uh, to make it look better than it really is. She took pictures of my oldest daughter's wedding and uh, did the same thing. My oldest daughter would look at her pictures and say, it's a, it's a shame that I didn't, didn't really look like that on my wedding day, thanks to Allie who's photoshopped it out and made me skinnier or whatever it is that she did to the picture. I, I get a kick out of that when she, uh, when she tells us that she does things like that, but I, I want you to think about that particular application in, in, or illustration in connection with this you know, you go to a, a, an amusement park and they all seem to have those same things where there's this big caricature with a, a cutout of the face and you're supposed to put your face right up uh, against it and someone takes a picture. Suppose there was some great big muscle man there and I stuck my <coughs> face into the caricature and uh, took that picture. You would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is not my body. You would know that because you know me. We live in the context of community. We've shared life together. 
uh, and you know that that is not a real picture of, of me. But perhaps with a picture that my daughter has taken that she's photoshopped just small changes here or there, you wouldn't notice the, the different changes uh, that would represent the picture of me like you would one of that caricature from an amusement park that I would be standing behind. We find the same thing, I think, in, in the world today. We don't need to look very hard or very long to find disunity in our world, do we? Any, any political situation, we find disunity today. And even in our social settings, we're finding disunity in uh, our life today. But what about in the context of the church? What about inside the body of Christ church, friends? Is there, uh, is there disunity like we're seeing in our political situation, in our social situation? I think it's probably in the political and the social side, it would be like my face against that caricature of a, a great big muscle man. It's obvious that there is disunity, that that is not a true picture. But when it comes to our living in unity inside the church, I think it's more like uh, it's it's more like Photoshop when there are just subtle changes here or there. It's not a true picture. We're not experiencing the true picture of unity, uh, but yet it's so um, photoshopped out that uh, it it still looks pretty good from the outside. That's what we find in Psalm one thirty three. This picture of unity that God gives to us in the body of Christ, it's not a Photoshop unity, but it is a genuine unity that God gives us, promises to give to us. Perhaps before we go any further in this text, we ought to define our term. What do we mean when we say unity? Unity is not the absence of disagreement. It's unity is not the absence of differences of opinion. Unity is not even the absence of conflict. We can have differences. We can even have conflict and still be unified together. For, for our purposes today is our study of Psalm 133. Let me just suggest this definition. Unity is our togetherness in what it is that we love. What we love is the Savior who gives us absolute truth from his word. So unity in the body of Christ at Christ Church in Grand Rapids is our togetherness in the one we love and the truth that he gives to us in the word. We can prevent unity from happening when we fail to live as Psalm 133 commands us to live. When we fail to to live in what it is that God promises to give to us that's identified for us here in Psalm 133, then we will experience disunity. It may be ever so slight, like a Photoshop picture, or it may be a huge difference, like a caricature, but we prevent unity from happening when we fail to live in what God gives us in Psalm 133. He actually tells us in verse 3 that this is what the Lord commands, or some translations say this is what the Lord bestows. There is an aspect of the already and the not yet here in Psalm 133, that God has already given us unity in the person of Jesus Christ. 
in our union with Christ, we have unity in the body of Christ. And there is the not yet, that promise that this is forevermore, as he says, the last word of our passage this morning. So I want us to think about that as we move through this passage ever so quickly, because it's only three verses. Life today and life in eternity, living in the already in hopes of and in anticipation of the not yet, the forevermore that comes in eternity. So look how it begins, a song of ascents of David. The songs of ascent were from Psalm 120 to 134. They were the songs that the Israelites sang as they ascended the mountain, Mount Zion, to the temple uh, where they were going to celebrate whatever feast uh, or celebration was taking place that was calling them there for that particular day. So they're singing these songs in preparation for corporate worship in the family of God. This is only one of a couple of psalms uh, the, that are songs of ascent that are, are penned by David. He tells us that there in the opening words of Psalm 133. But I want you to think about about that. Here we have a song uh, of unity given to us by a guy who experienced anything but unity in any part of his life. I mean, think about his life. In his younger years, um, there was disunity between him and his brothers. Uh, in his middle years, there was disunity between him and King Saul. Saul wanted to kill him there was disunity in his marriage in that he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband. There was disunity even uh, in his family, his children, his own sons sought to take his life as well. So here David is giving us a psalm of unity in a life that's been lived, uh, the most disunified life perhaps that, uh, that we could ever imagine. And yet he does so, friends, simply because of what it is that God promises to give to us. Many commentaries uh, point to 2 Samuel chapter 5 as the context for Psalm 133, that David is now taken over the, the kingdom uh, of Israel from King Saul. Saul is now gone, and David is taking over. And so this is a, a psalm of unification of the body of the Israelites as, as David is taking over. And so he begins then, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Uh, the, the song of ascents were, were the psalms that were sung by the, the children of God as they, as they ascended the mountain, as I, as I just told you. But the context of the psalms uh, the Song of Ascents is always uh, the covenant, covenant family. So in, uh, a better translation would probably be family members, how good and pleasant it is when family members live together uh, in, in unity. It, it, it really is a, a picture of how we live together in the body of Christ. For them, how they live together as, as fellow Israelites uh, in the, the covenant family. How how good it is, how pleasant it is when we live together in the context of family members with one another. Think about that then as we apply the passage with uh, fellow members of, of Christ's church. 
As family members together at Christ Church, the Lord tells us, behold, look, look at what I have done for you, how good and pleasant it is when you live together in what it is that you love. Good, that word that means excellent, uh, pleasant, that word that means agreeable or pleasing. We read those words from the very beginning of the Bible, don't we? And God looked around all that he had created and said, this is good. And then he creates Eve and gives her to Adam and says, this is very good. Here is then the gift that God gives to us. That's what I want you to see in the opening verse, verse 1, that the Lord has given us a gift. Behold, he says, I'm giving you this gift, this gift of living in the context of what you love together, this blessed unity that is ours as brothers and sisters in Christ. But it is that gift that we have been given that we now in turn are to give to one another. David goes on in verse 2, take your uh, look at the, the text now, to give us a, a, a ceremonial illustration when he says, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down the collar of his robes. It's a ceremonial illustration of something that comes from the top and flows all the way down to give us the understanding today to what, what it is that God has given to us as the gift is to now run down uh, between us with one another. The, the, uh, the word translated there, collar, in verse 2, is also the Hebrew word that can be translated him. It gives us a picture from the oil on the top of the head that runs all the way down, all the way down to the hem of the robe, from the top to the bottom, so to speak. We find the context, of course, for this uh, in Exodus 28 and 29, when Aaron, the first high priest, is set apart, and there is the anointing with, uh, of him with the fragrant oil, something that perhaps when you were way in the back you couldn't see, but you could certainly smell because it had this fragrant smell. It's the precious oil that is running down, setting apart Aaron. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 7 that the high priesthood from one priest to the next, it passed down from one priest to the next as in the office of the high priest. But the fullness of that office was not attainable until it was found in the person, the mediator of, of, of Jesus Christ. Here's what it is that we were finding in verse 2 of our text. The gift that God gives to us, behold, here's the gift I'm giving to you. How good and pleasant it is when my, my children live together in unity. We are now to be living proof of, of that oil running down from one to the other that we are to be pouring out oil with one another, on one another, as we live together in what it is that we love, the one that we love, the person of Jesus Christ and his truth that he gives to us in his word. So my question for you today is, is, is that a description of your life? Are you living proof of the gift that God has given that you are now giving to fellow brothers and sisters at Christ Church, living together in unity. I don't do social media. It's a stretch for me even to, to do texting and email. 
I don't do Facebook or Instagram, but I have had people tell me, read to me things that have been posted on social media events from one person at Christ Church to another person at Christ Church that I would hope that we would never even say to one another's face, and yet we are bold enough to type that out. Anything but unity. It is the caricature of a face in a muscle man body. It is so opposite of what it is that God gives to us in the body of Christ. Behold this good and pleasant thing. There are posts there too that that seem you know, it, it seems to be that we're we're communicating only our feelings or our opinions or we're promoting those people that that support our feelings or our opinions and when somebody else has a different opinion then we're writing things we're communicating things um, to tear one another down instead of building one another up. And what is absent as I'm reading these or as I'm hearing these read to me, what seems to be absent in all of these, uh, these posts is the foundation of absolute truth. It seems to be built upon our opinions or what it is that we've read or what it is that we believe instead of what we know to be absolutely true based upon the Scripture. What's absent is the quoting of Scripture. What ab what's absent is that which is good and pleasant uh, that, that brings us together in what we, what we love, what we know to be true, found in God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. Part of our liturgy this morning even was the quoting of Ephesians 4, the first few verses where, where the Apostle Paul gives us that, that one, seven times he uses, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father all, over all, in all, through all. Friends, that is our foundation. That is what brings unity. That's what the Lord gives to us as a gift. He gives us absolute truth revealed to us from his word, and that is what we together love and live. When we live that out, then we will see the rest of Scripture applied. We will be slow to speak and quick to listen. We will speak the truth in love. We will love one another in our words and in our deeds. That's the picture of unity in this life that God gives to us as a gift and now flows down from us as we are living proof of the, the oil of the Holy Spirit in our life as we live life with one another. But look at verse 3 now. David ends with a, a, another picture of unity, another description of unity, but now not a ceremonial illustration, but a, a geographical illustration. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountain of Zion. It's a geographical uh, illustration because Mount Hermon is on the far northern side of Israel. It's over 9,600 feet tall, just shy of 10,000 feet. It is the only mountain in Israel that is snow-capped. Mount Zion is in the southern part of Israel, just uh, right uh, in Jerusalem. And so we have this picture of Mount Hermon way up to the north, and now Mount Zion, a much smaller mountain to the south. And the dew from the, the greater falls on 
the lesser. It's the same thing with the oil on the head that runs completely down. I've seen Mount Hermon. It is a beautiful snow-covered mountain, and the snow melt from that mountain are the headwaters of the Jordan River, which feed then the Sea of Galilee and then all the way down to the Dead Sea. And there is actually a film across the sky. You can see the condensation from the north to the south as the sun comes in and is reflected off of the snow on Mount Hermon. The dew falls through the air all the way down uh, to the south to, to Jerusalem and to Mount Zion, and there it, it provides moisture uh, for things that uh, are growing there. It's a beautiful picture now, uh, an illustration that David gives to us. One more time, he's saying, I want you to see this already. What has been done for us? Something from the greater that comes to the lesser. And his point is the unity that we have from the greater, from God himself that now comes to the lesser, to people like you and me. It's for us, he says. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on Mount Zion. It is, it is the Lord's blessing that he promises to give to us, the togetherness in what it is that we love that flows from, from the greater to the lesser, from the top to the bottom. But look how he ends now he moves from that for us, uh, for now, for eternity, for the, the, the not yet. The already now moves to the not yet. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Here is a picture of what God is giving to us today and promises will continue throughout all eternity. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 gives us, uh, he says, you've come to a, 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 another mountain. You've come to Mount Zion, uh, that mountain that is found in the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a geographical one mountain, but you've come to the mountain who is Christ himself, our sure redeemer, our sure mediator. And then John in his apocalypse in Revelation 21 and 22 he says, behold, there's a new Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem, and God is present there. That's the picture of what is to come when Christ comes a second time, that he'll dwell among us again like he did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He will continue to be our God. We will continue to be his people, and he will dwell with us in the new heavens and the new earth, the new heavenly Jerusalem. There's the promise that God gives to us today, friends. That from the greater to the lesser, in this life, he promises to give us the good and pleasing gift of unity. And now we're, continued to, we're called, commanded to live that out, not only in this life, but life forevermore. Friends, listen, please, carefully. I am not suggesting to you just to get off your Facebook accounts, get out there, be nicer to one another, quit being mean to one another. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying the Lord is given to us through the power and work of his Holy Spirit. He has given us the gift of unity, togetherness in what we love. And now we are to drip that togetherness. We're to drip that oil from the greater to the lesser. We are to to be living proof that this gospel is true. We know it's true because we can see it at work 
in the way we love and treat one another. You remember how Paul put it in that chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? These three will abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why did he say it like that? For this reason, the already will become the not yet. Faith. Already, we're living by faith in what, what is unseen. But the day is coming when Christ will come again, and our faith will be sight. We won't need faith anymore because we will see and believe. Hope. Our hope will become a reality someday when Christ comes again the second time. But love continues throughout the already and into the not yet. We will always be commanded and called to love one another. Before I went to seminary, I was a firefighter paramedic in North Dallas. One of the last fires that I fought before I retired and uh, went off to seminary was an old town cafe in downtown uh, Louisville where I was. I was on the first in engine company that pulled up. It's a small restaurant, but this thing was fully involved. It was about three o'clock in the morning. It had been burning for a while before somebody passed by and called 911. We pulled up and this thing was ripping so we began to pull lines off of the one side of the engine that was closest to the building. We pulled off a couple of two-inch uh, hand lines that we would take in the front door. We pulled off a three-inch line that went to a standpipe on one side, and we pulled off a three-inch line that went to a, 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 another device uh, to the other side. The deck gun on top of the engine was squirting water uh, from all of these different aspects, we were had water to do one common purpose, and that purpose was to extinguish the fire. When the fire was out, and I came out of the building, out of the structure, I went back to the engine to get some water and to, uh, to take a break for a moment, and I looked down, and it was just utter chaos. All of these lines going this way and that way, running to this device and that device, and intertangled uh, with one another on the ground. It just looked like a complete mess. And then I walked around to the other side of the engine and there was one five-inch supply line that went from the intake to the engine to a fire hydrant about 20 feet away. And what a beautiful picture, I thought. One supply, one main supply of water coming in and on the other side, utter chaos, but yet for the sole purpose, one purpose, to extinguish the fire. And there is a picture of Psalm 133. The one supply is God himself, the initiator of the oil that runs down, the initiator of the dew that falls down. And from that one supply, now there may even be Chaos. We may even have disagreements. Should I wear a mask or not wear a mask? Should I come to the parking lot service or not? And should I stay home or not? All of the, the disagreements that we may have, because we have them doesn't mean that we have disunity. Doesn't mean that we're standing behind a caricature. It simply means that this is an opportunity that God gives us in the already to live 
in what he has commanded, the unity that is ours, the togetherness in what we love, Jesus Christ himself. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that you have given us the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Bless us today as the saints of Christ church. Bind us together. Make us one body, the body of Christ, loving one another in what we know to be true, your absolute truth, your word. We pray it in Jesus' name.